Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Directed by Emmy-nominated filmmaker John Dower, The Mystery of D.B. Cooper brings to life the stories of four individuals fervently believed by their family and friends to be D.B. Cooper. The mystery man who hijacked the 727 flying out of Seattle, traded the passengers' lives for $200,000 in four parachutes, jumped out of a jet over some of Washington's most dangerous terrain, and was never heard from again. Almost 50 years later, the case continues to confound the FBI and inspire wild speculation as it remains the only unsolved airplane hijacking in United States history. The film, again, is called The Mystery of D.B. Cooper, and we're joined today by the writer and the director of the film, and that would be John Dower. John Dower, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me on. It's, it's an honor to be here from South London. Well, let me tell you first and foremost how entertaining this film is. And it has become, I'm sure, a bit of a cottage industry among aficionados of the crime of so-called DB or Dan Cooper. But this film takes us on a walk through not only the crime, but it also walks us through a number of people who are purported to be DB Cooper, either by their family, as I said, or by their friends. And it's just it's, it's such an enjoyable watch. How did you get locked into telling the story of D.B. Cooper? Wow, that's a good question, actually. Um, I mean, I've made quite a few documentaries in the USA. I love coming to make films in your country. It's always a privilege. I think over here, us limeys have a bit of an inferiority complex. We feel that our stories don't often have the, the sort of scale and epic size. And to be honest, sometimes the downright weirdness that your stories sometimes have. So we're kind of, I'm always attracted, you know, I've made films about Scientology. I mean, I even made a film about Britney Spears many years ago. So, but this, I was annoyed when I was approached with with um, a, a bunch of other filmmakers who I'd done stuff with before. And I didn't know this story. That kind of annoyed me in the first instance, because I like to pride myself on knowing all the great iconic American stories. And I'm like, really? And then I said, did this really happen? this is nuts. I mean, why have I not heard of this? And then I started to, um, we, we, we came over and we did a bit of filming and I was hooked. That was me in. I'd already started my journey down the rabbit hole. So from, from a perspective of the UK, nobody here knows this story. And weirdly, some of the people I came across in the States, I guess of a slightly younger generation, yeah. they don't know it either. So and there was no particular timing. I mean, the actual 50th anniversary is next year, but it's just like, it's just a great story. Well, as I said in the introduction, I mean, it's such a spectacular crime. It is a theatrical crime. It is, I mean, he he made off with $200,000. Okay, there are bank robbers who have walked out of a bank with two hundred thousand dollars, and we we have no reason to uh, to care who they were ever again. But in this, he jumps out of an airplane at I don't know ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand feet, whatever 10, it was, feet. ten thousand feet. So they went yeah. down, they lowered the plane for him to jump out. So that and and then no trace of him has been found. 
Am yeah, I it's, 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 it's one of those great stories that if you're in the pub or a bar rather with a, with a group of friends and you just start telling them because it's got those elements of a pitch. It's like, you know, it was a stormy Thanksgiving Eve, you know, man in a black suit, black sunglasses, black attache case gets onto a plane. There's a bomb, then four parachutes, money, and you're in. As a filmmaker, that's initially great. The strange thing about this heist is that it's remarkably passive. Um, so it would be very difficult to make a feature documentary out of just the crime itself. Because after that, I mean, the passengers don't know they're being hijacked. He's what you might call a gentleman thief. He doesn't shout. He doesn't scream. He's very polite. You know, he's almost James Bond-like in the way he behaves with the air crew. So if you wanted to spin out the actual event for a whole movie, you'd be struggling. And But what is so interesting about this film is that there does, well, not, not this film, well, that's for you guys to judge, but this story is, is there is this, because they don't find the trace and there's these little potential clues, it, there is a sort of group of people that fervently believe with their life and soul, they know who it is. And I almost became as interested in them as in the event itself. Yeah, there's almost an element of flying saucer people level of, commitment to this story that's a good point and actually but i tell you why that's a good point because this was a little mantra i had i always when i'm making a film i like to keep in mind a perspective why are we making this film one of the things that struck me while we're making this film there's a great quote from steven spielberg not that i'm obviously comparing myself to spielberg you just have to check our respective resumes for that one but he said that when he was making close encounters of the third kind he said, I don't necessarily believe in UFOs, but I believe in the people that believe in UFOs. And that was really important for us because it would be very easy in this kind of film to do, we have this expression in the UK called take the piss, as in if you mock someone or you satirise them, oh God, what, you know, aren't they just a bunch of village crazies? And that was important that we never, ever did that. I respect these people's stories. You know, we all create narratives to ourselves to make sense of the world or what we're doing. These people are just doing that. They're doing it with this subject, though, because they have a genuine belief. And I respect their story as well because of the elements in it. So we never sent out to, you know, point the finger and laugh at them. I mean, I can't because I essentially become one of them during the course of making the film. I mean... I'm there, you know, I've gone down that rabbit hole, you know, I'm, I'm right down there. So while there is, the, the UF analogy is is there, but it's, I don't want anyone to think that we're, you know, you know, oh, look at the idiots that, that, that believe in this, that, that that's ridiculous. And actually, I find in all four of these story elements that they could be true. Exactly. No, I, I thank you, because you do focus on four stories, four people or friends or or some version of people who knew who they believed to be D.B. Cooper. And I totally agree with you. They're all in, there are elements of all four of those stories that are absolutely believable and could be, in fact, the person that, that actually knows what happened with D.B. Cooper. So I, I'm with, with you all the way. I, I don't want to take this too far, but it's like for me, people who are just fervently, religious people i respect them and and i wish i 
shared their passion. I really do. I, I well, you know what? My- that's a really good point, Mike, because that's what I, I became jealous of these people. While yeah. I was with. I'm like, God, I wish I had something that, that made me, that, that, that gave me some sort of, um, reason to get up in the morning and not weep when I go to sleep at night. I mean, there's no existential big abyss here for the, you know, they, they have something that they believe in and, and that they've constructed their lives around. Maybe, maybe in the case of our character, Joe, in the film, maybe a little too much. Maybe it has taken over her life. And there's an element of jealousy that they have this belief. Yeah, absolutely. I, exactly what I said. I, I am, I feel like, wow, I, I search my soul for that passion somewhere in here. There must be something that I would, that I would go this far for. And I, so I agree with that. It, again, I go back to this idea. It's a very entertaining film. And just what you said, all four of those stories are, are great to follow. They're great stories onto themselves. They, they themselves, if it was in an, another context would be phenomenal documentaries by themselves. But, um, well, do you want to talk a little bit about how you connected with these people? How did you find them or did they find you or? Yeah, no, no, no. Again, that's a good point because it's not, there are several potential suspects for Cooper and we didn't just pluck them out of the air or, you know, you know, pin, you know, pin the donkey's tail, as they say. We thought quite carefully about how we, we chose them. And that was actually a frustrating thing. It's, you know, the point you make is, is, you know, at one point I thought, oh my God, we can make the whole film out of Richard Floyd McCoy. Um, yeah. and, and and because there were competing versions, you had to by, by necessity leave out some of the elements of their story, sometimes, some of which I regret because they even added to the um, belief, but you know, directors always regret having to leave stuff out. No, well, we had a, we had quite a simple criteria. For instance, let me give you one example, a guy rang me i won't mention his name a guy rang me from long island and he said i know because what happens is once you start making this you do go into what they call the cooper vortex there is that sort of internet underworld of message boards and sites and once they heard that we were doing it people would start to contact us and this guy from long island new york contact said i know who it is i have the evidence um, it's the guy who's in Catch Me If You Can, the Sp- him again, Spielberg, the Spielberg movie, which is based on a real guy. And he said, now, if you just give me $20,000, I can share that with you. And we're like, okay, you're immediately off the list. As soon as you feel like you're being hustled for money, it's like, you don't believe it that much. You just want our money. And also, have you ever dealt with a documentary before? We don't have $20,000. So that was a criteria. They had to feel lived stories. And I guess it was just a case of talking to various people and using our instincts and 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 these these we always said we'd do four. And so these are the people, and this wasn't the original four. In fact, Joe, who ironically I think probably ends up getting the most screen time in the end, she came in quite late in the day when we had to lose one of the other stories, only because again, without going into the boring thing about making documentaries, but it can often take you as long to raise the finance as it does to make the film. During that moment, after we'd filmed some initial material, two of the people in one of our original stories died, which actually makes made it really difficult to tell. Or we could have still told it, but it would have felt more secondhand. And for yeah. me, the key thing with all these stories is these are the people who are closest to the person that they believe who it is. So I think our criteria in some ways was quite simple. We spoke to a lot of people, and these are the people we thought, these are the people we want to be in the film. 
Yeah, I, I there's Joe you mentioned and the and her her friend that helps her remember stuff. The memory, man. Yeah. The, memory the memory guru. Uh, I thought that was great, and I thought the the woman whose family's actually named Cooper. Yeah. And, you know, there yeah. are some really compelling, yeah. I mean, they really are. And yeah. Then you have the guy that, that is wandering, not wandering, he walks through the area that we believe, or it, some believe, Jerry, yeah. Yeah, who, where he landed. He's been doing that for 30 years. Blimey. 30 years he's been walking through these woods and he's, <laughs> he's convinced that he didn't survive. But, you know, anyway, it, there's everything in this movie is believable. It's, it's, it is credible to a point where, where I had to cash. I mean, what can I say? It is, it is wildly entertaining. And um, have you heard from the the DB Cooper community on this? Have has, have have they have they had a chance to see? Uh, I, I mean, there are certain people we have showed it to in the film. We showed it to. I mean, this is the age we live in. So Tim, the memory man, who listen. This is why I love making documentaries. <laughs> Basically, we went to film with Joe Webber, and you know what? The journey from South London to Pensacola, Florida, isn't a short one. So we didn't have time to go and meet her face to face, which is what I normally like to do. I'd only ever spoken to her on the telephone. So she said, you know, by the way, there's going to be there's going to be somebody else at the house. I said, well, you know what? That's very sensible. You've never met us. We're a bunch of limeys turning up at your house. Have someone there. That's fine by me. We met Tim. I wasn't particularly sure who he was. He clearly wasn't her son. And then he asked for a headset to listen to the interview. And then during the interview, he just interrupted and started and inserted himself into the interview. And I was like, this is amazing. I don't know what's going on, but it's real. This is real life. And then we discover, I'm like, Joe, hang on, who is this guy, Tim? And she said, well, he's my memory man. Because she's getting old. I mean, God, I'd love to have one of these in about 20 years. Because she's getting old and she can't remember the elements of this story that she herself has been investigating, Tim helps curate and sort of protect her memories. So Tim then becomes a character in the film and takes you off in a completely other direction. Tim has seen the film. This was my original point. Apologies for rambling slightly. But but what I, I the age we now live in, Tim has watched the film. He's reviewed it and posted his review of our film on his YouTube site. So before the film's even come out, it's been reviewed by somebody in it. And actually, it's it's quite a thoughtful, critical review. I, I love that. I just, I think it's amazing. I, I suspect I'll get a lot of, I suspect I'll get some slightly less charitable um, interventions from people in the, the Cooper Vortex, but... It's a bit like, you know, analogy. Years ago, I made a music film in the UK about a particular moment we had in music in the UK called Britpop. And we picked three bands. And then when we were at film festival, God, remember those film festivals with Q&As? And all these people were like, why didn't you have this band in? Why didn't you have this band? And it's like, well, you know what? At the end end of the day, it's my film. So I decide. So I think there will be a lot of that. You're killing me because now I have to ask you what three bands you had in Britpop. I have to know. Uh, we had um, Oasis, Pulp, and Blur. I mean, you know. Come on. They're, they're the Come kind on. of heavy hitters, aren't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Good choice. You get you get it. You get my thumbs up. What about Primal Scream? You didn't have them in there? Well, no, but this is where you start going down. And then the, the whole contingent, why aren't Radiohead? Listen, I love Radiohead, but they almost, in their sort of art house, slightly arrogant way, stood outside of the whole cartoonish kind of Britpop thing. So, yeah. But I think there'll be a lot of, why isn't Rack Straw the suspect, Cooper suspect in this film? 
I have a feeling you're going to get a very negative review from somebody in Long Island. Just, uh, just something tells <laughs> me. <laughs> That one I won't mind. <laughs> I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with John Dower. The film is The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. Wow, what a what a, what a a trip this has been for you. By the way, with Tim, what, the one thing when he was talking about the bag of money floating down river, I thought that is, was pretty solid bit of detective work. And I, I'm, I'm going to stand by that one uh, in terms of what happened. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what, that, you know, I mean, that, in 20 years of making documentaries, though, that was one of the hardest thing I've ever had to edit on screen because it's just so damn complicated. But I think we kind of made it work. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, people always people often ask me, who do you think it is? Without giving... I, what I would just say in my heart, I would love it to be Dwayne Webber. And just because Joe's story has so many strange bits of detail, including that paper bag with the money in it, that if that was true, oh my God, the cosmos is a wonderful place. That's all I could say. <laughs> but you have the the multiple, possible multiple hijacker. You have you have some good people in here. This is a good lineup, if you will. If you were if you were going to put a lineup of people in a in a police in a police station, you have some good ones here. Well, John Dower, this is thank you, thank you, thank you for this film. I just again, boy, you're going to love it people listening to the sound of our voices. It is, in some ways, it extends and enriches the D.B. Cooper legacy. And uh, for that, we all are a better, we're a better nation for that. So thank you. Thank you, John Dower. Thank, you for, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for the film. It's called The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. It is premiering on November 25th on HBO. Come back anytime. This has been a blast. John Dower, thank you so very much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Pleasure. Pleasure all mine, Mike. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music